Welcome to the River Tree Canal Fulton podcast. It is week three of our series, For Goodness Sake. We're talking about blessing. And this week, the idea of blessing through the way that we serve the world. Um, so we're really excited. This conversation, I feel like, is going to bear a lot of fruit in our community. So keep tuning in and uh, share with us what you think. We'd love to hear more. It's my dog in the background. Um, we got a lot happening, and including uh, at the end of the month of September, we have a vision night on Thursday, September 29th. We would love for you to come here. Uh, everything that's coming in the future, everything we're hoping and praying for and planning for, uh, you should be there. It'll be at The Rock at 630. Join us for a night of worship and prayer and talk about the future. Um, but anyway, for goodness sake, enjoy this. As we continue in worship, uh, part of our time together is always a time of giving. Uh, giving is that overflow of generosity that comes from a people to whom God has been generous. And uh, giving has been um, just an amazing testimony of this church. Uh, I love, as we start even thinking about being here for 10 years, that one of the markers of this community is that we have been for the place that we've been put in. And... Uh, Part of the way that that happens is through the generosity of our church. And so for those who are giving today, whether it is through the bags that are coming through, giving online, or uh, maybe you have set up giving through our website, uh, I just want to thank you for enabling us to be the kind of generous church that we are and to extend the generosity of Jesus through all of the things that we do every time we gather. So let's pray for our offering, and our offering team will come and pass those bags in just a moment as we continue in worship. Jesus, we thank you that you are the giver of all good things. That we can sing a song saying, if, if all of you, if more of you means less of me, then take everything. We can sing that confidently because you're the God who generously gives himself to us. And so as we give in this place today, we pray that our uh, giving would just be a reflection of the generosity we see in you. And Lord, we pray uh, just blessings on it, that you would take it, that you would bless it, and that it is, as it is given, it can just be uh, a way of furthering your kingdom work in and through this church uh, here in Canal Fulton and beyond. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Let's continue. Jesus is born. 
Our scripture for today comes from John chapter 13. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, "'Lord, are you going to wash my feet?' Jesus replied, you do not realize what I'm doing, but later you will understand. 
No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. That was why he said not everyone was clean. When he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. So thank you for being with us today. Uh, My name is Drew. I am the campus pastor here. It's good to be back with you. I want to take a moment before we get started and dismiss our middle school age students, so fifth grade through eighth grade, or anyone who's in school who just wants to go hang out with that crew. Uh, You can head with Adam on the way out. Guys, I hope you all have a great time together in the Word. Um, We are in our third week in a series called For Goodness Sake, where we're looking at the practice of blessing and what it means for us to uh, bless for the good of our city. Now, I wasn't here last week. I was at River Tree Maslin. For those of you who don't know, part of my job is I not only pastor this church, but I oversee uh, two other River Tree campuses, the River Tree Maslin campus and the River Tree Fairless campus. And so on occasion, I'm at those campuses. And last week, I had the joy of installing a new pastor at River Tree Maslin. Uh, he's amazing. His name's Jake Garmony. Uh, you can go hear him online, but don't start going there. I'm going to hunt you down. Um, <laughs> no, Jake's amazing. It was actually such an incredible time for us to be with that body as they celebrated just a new season of life that's coming in as uh, he comes in as the pastor. Uh, but I missed being here. I got to listen to Christy on our podcast, uh, and she did an incredible job exploring how uh, the words that we speak can speak blessing into the world. So today we're going to continue the conversation by looking at service and how God has blessed us so that we can be uh, servants in the world. Now, in 2019, there was a show that premiered on CBS called Undercover Boss. Have any of you ever seen Undercover Boss? Big fans, kind of, whatever. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, look, for 11 seasons now, they take like a CEO or a top executive from like a major brand and they go undercover, often wearing a disguise, and they work inside the rank and file of their own business. Uh, for example, this guy in this picture is the CEO of Yankee Candle who decides to go undercover, apparently as Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Um, <laughs> To learn more about his company and employees from a perspective he couldn't get at the top. He goes undercover. And uh, it's an understandably kind of formulaic show. The boss goes undercover. They meet people. uh, They struggle to excel at some of the tasks that they oversee. You know, so like they're not good at the job of the people who are working below them on the org chart. Uh, But they also get to learn... um, about the life story, the challenges, uh, some of the things that the people 
within their organization face that they may never see because they have not um, climbed down the ladder in their org chart and really understood people. And so they learn powerful lessons. They meet unsung heroes. Uh, there's also a point uh, by, by the end, the CEO is probably in tears. You're probably in tears if you're watching. And they do these things to then bless these employees and take these lessons forward and helping their company become better. It's, it's really just been a fascinating thing. Uh, it's won two Emmys in its 11 season run and it's been uh, talked about and even parodied. I don't know if you are a Saturday Night Live fan, but there was uh, an, a, a parody of Undercover Boss they did when Adam Driver was on. He was known for being Kylo Ren from the Star Wars series, like the evil Sith apprentice or whatever. So he goes into uh, a like Empire Galactic Star cruiser or whatever to do an Undercover Boss uh, expose and learn what it's like to be a stormtrooper, right? Uh, and I love this quote. It says, uh, hearing that Zach lost his son really struck a nerve with me, especially since I'm the one that killed him. <laughs> uh, I, I laughed a lot uh, thinking about that parody and just Undercover Boss because when you get to this picture of Jesus washing his disciples' feet, uh, for some reason it made me think of Undercover Boss because it made me think of this picture of somebody who is in the highest position, lowering themselves, humbling themselves, and doing something um, that you wouldn't expect. And let's be honest, it's not Jesus here who's caught off guard by what happens in John 13. It is the disciples. So we're going to look today a little bit at John 15 and how John talks about what Jesus does and what it tells us about not only what it means to be blessed, but what it means for us to be servants because we are blessed. So we're going to start in verse 2. It says, uh, having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Um, so as John is helping us understand the reader in the gospel, what's happening here? The first thing he wants us to know is that Jesus is entering into this scene with the, like, what is happening here is we're kind of having the veil pulled back of what, like, if love without limits is the picture of what Jesus is doing, then, like, this is the full extent of his love in snapshot here. And so if you want to understand how to interpret what's happening John is saying, look, you're about to see Jesus give a full picture of what love looks like on the ground. Uh, and it's, it's funny because I, I think if you were, if I were to say, hey, I want you to picture in your mind, if you were to say somebody loved you with like a limitless love, maybe you've experienced that in your life, maybe you've, you have that in a relationship or two in your own life, or you could just imagine, I would guess that most of us, if we were to stop and think, we probably have somebody doing some sort of act of service for us. Somebody doing something in a way that um, is selfless for them uh, and benefits us greatly. And it's kind of across cultures that, that serving people has always been known as this expression of love. John takes this picture because he wants us to understand that, that love in action is always going to bring us to service. 
And Jesus wants his disciples to get this. So he says that Judas has already been tempted, like things are already in action for Jesus to be betrayed. So it hasn't happened fully yet, but the ball is rolling. And Jesus knows. He knows that sitting among the 12 is the guy who is betraying him in a way that will lead to his death. He also says in three, verses 3 and 4, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come, up, come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. So uh, John wants to make sure that we understand that Jesus is fully aware of a couple of things. One, he's fully aware of the fact that his betrayal is already in motion. Like the things that are going to lead him from a table to the cross have already begun to happen. That his death, that he's fully aware of, like everything is, is, is already going. But also, Jesus at this table understands that everything is under his power. If you want to think about this as like status... That there's no one in the world who has more control and power over everything in this moment than Jesus. That he's come from the Father and he's returning to the Father. That Jesus is both in this place where he's got enemies who are working actively against him. And he is so secure and confident in who God has made him and in what will happen in his life. This is Jesus fully aware. And in this moment, this is when he takes off his outer clothing and wraps a towel around his waist. Now, for many of us, we would not pick up that visual cue if you were to ask like, what's happening here. And this is a good Bible tool. Anytime you're reading the Bible and something's happening, you're like, I feel like this is important, but I don't know why. That's a good place to pay attention. Um, Jesus taking off his outer garment and wrapping a towel around his waist, this would be a visual sign of him taking the role of someone who is a servant. Uh, in the Jewish culture, to be assigned to wash the feet of guests was something that was below even the lowest servant who was a Jew. Matter of fact, usually if they had an indentured, indentured uh, servant who was a Gentile, who was not Jewish, that's the kind of job they could have. But even the lowest person in society who is Jewish, they would say, because you're, you're a son or daughter of Abraham, that's, that's below you. It's as if Jesus is putting on the uniform of someone he, in the eyes of the disciples especially, should never be. He should never be the lowest person in the room because he is the highest person, not just in the room, but in creation. The disciples see him do this and they're immediately puzzled and confused. What is happening? And Jesus fills a basin and begins to wash their feet. And notice he's washing all 12 of their feet. He's washing Judas's feet. Jesus, the one that they seriously sit around and argue about who's going to be the greatest because they're in his entourage. They're like, he's the Messiah, and we're going to get to sit around and be powerful, awesome people because we're Jesus' disciples. They see him take a position he should never take and begin to wash 
their feet. So you see, the cultural expectation was that people in high positions should be served, and people in low positions should serve them. Now, while we are, um, we're not unaware, like it's not like our world doesn't have high positions and low positions, uh, but we didn't have the same kind of context that Jesus and his disciples have. You got to understand that uh, in every culture, there are people who have more status and people who have less. And the disciples, if you were to ask the question, what position did the disciples see themselves in? They did not see themselves to be in a low position because they were at the table with Jesus, who was in the highest position. Like, because they were with Jesus, they were among those who should be served. Because Jesus is in the highest position, and he should be served. They were, by association, had been lifted up to a point where the idea of having their feet washed was an expectation they would have of someone who was below them in culture. When Peter's arguing with Jesus, and he says in verse 8, you should never wash my feet, and Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. This is a particularly jarring statement to Peter if you understand culturally what Jesus is saying. So the disciples had status because they were with Jesus. But Jesus' words here, when he says, you have no part with me, this would be um, not that you're like not with me, but that to have a part with someone is like to have an inheritance with them. This is the same language we find in the prodigal son story and all the throughout. So it has both the idea of like a physical inheritance, like a, a son who has no part with me would not have an inheritance from me. But it also has like a kingdom language idea of to have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, if you will not let me wash your feet, you don't have an inheritance in my kingdom. Jesus is subverting an expectation that they've they don't even realize they had until he's at their feet cleansing them. And that is that Jesus has come not to be served, but to serve. And if they are unwilling to allow Jesus to serve them, then they cannot participate and benefit from his kingdom. Now this is important for us to think about as we talk about being a blessing through serving the world around us. And if we start with the question, what position are you in in this world? What position are you in? That may sound odd, but it matters. I mean, if you think about it, like if you work, your job has an organizational chart. You could be self-employed, so you're the boss, but you're also the lowest on the chart as well. That's the, it's like being firstborn. You're the firstborn and you're kind of the lastborn, so you get both. Uh, but if you work at a job where there's an org chart, then probably you understand what it's like that there are people with more power and voice in the organization and people with less. Uh, and you might be at the top and you might be all the way at the bottom, but that's status or position. Um, your family might have that. I know my siblings like to joke around about who is the favorite. If you have siblings, have you ever had that fun conversation with your siblings? My parents say that I'm the favorite um, my brothers say that I'm the favorite of my parents, but it's probably because I live in Ohio and they live in Louisiana, so they don't get to see me as much. 
Um, so, uh, but we joke about that kind of stuff. And maybe in your family, there are favorites. There's favorite uh, children, or there's favorite grandchildren, or there's favorite aunts and uncles. You're not supposed to say it, but it's kind of there. You know there's like a shift in power. You know who gets to call the shots and who doesn't. Part of that is like your status and position, even within your own family. Or you think about it um, with uh, social media. Social media is a way that power and status and voice are shown in our culture. Things get likes and views, then they get elevated up. Uh, it's, it's part of our culture. And what's amazing as we think about it, um, one of the blessings that you've been given in life, to use modern language, uh, is your platform. Your platform, uh, to define it, your platform is wherever you find yourself standing. So wherever you find yourself standing in life, just like I find myself standing right here, this is my platform, uh, both in a literal sense but also in a figurative sense. So think about it. Uh, you have a number of platforms in your life. You have a family platform. If you're the mom or the dad, that's a place that you stand where you have voice and power. I know as a parent, sometimes you feel like you should have more power than you do because your kids seem to have a lot of power at times. Uh, if you are a grandparent, if you're an uncle or an aunt or whatever position you're in, wherever you're standing, that's your platform in that social environment. Same with your job or your school. Wherever you find yourself, that's the place that you're standing, and it gives you voice in relationship to the people around you. And you may be speaking up, you may be speaking down, you may be speaking evenly, but you have a place, a position, a platform where you are. Same with your social platform. I think about uh, yesterday, we were at Northwest for the cross-country meet. And my son's in seventh grade. He's running cross country. He finished the race yesterday. I was so proud of him. But what was amazing is you got all of these kids from all these different teams who are standing around cheering each other on, rallying for each other, using their position as teammates to call out and bless and encourage and, 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 and really cheer on both kids from their team and kids from teams all across our area. It was pretty amazing. But they were using the position they had to encourage and bless the people around them. And you have these, whether you realize it or not, whether you're happy with them or not. Because <laughs> you could be in a place where you're like, you know what, I, yeah, I have a social position, but I don't like it. That's, that's fair. Um, you could be like, yeah, I have a voice. I have a job, but it's not the job that I want. It's not the... I'm not in the position I want to be in. Yes, I have a family, and I have a position in my family, and I don't like the one that I'm in. Sometimes I wish I was in a completely different family. Maybe you uh, are in a place where the platform you have is not necessarily the platform you would ask, but you have it nonetheless. Um, and I believe that God has given you whatever platforms you have, for good or for ill, whether you love them or hate them, that God has put you there for a reason. And uh, we can emphasize the what of our platform and miss the why. Meaning we can emphasize where we are and miss why God has put us there. We can become obsessed with, I'm not where I want to be, so I want to get to that place. I want to have 
uh, if you were to put it in social media terms, I want to have this many followers and this kind of voice or in your own family or in your job. You're like, I don't want this job. I want that job because if I was in that job, then I could do this and I could do that. Or I, could, I want to go to this school or I want to, I want, I want, I want. And we think so much about the what of our platform that we miss sometimes why God has put us where we are in the moment we're in. Whatever platform you've been given, it was given to you by God for the good of the world around you. And this is what we're seeing in Jesus and what Jesus is trying to kind of pull back the curtain for for his disciples is that the position that Jesus has been put in is not so that he has a high position, but it's so that he can leverage the position he has for the good of others. See, right where you live and you work and you play, I believe that God in his infinite wisdom and sovereignty has put you where you are for the good of the people right around you. So whether from your platform you're speaking to one, two, or thousands, wherever you find yourself standing in your family, in your job, in your social networks, on a team, in a school, wherever you are, wherever you spend your time, God has put you there for the sake and the good of the people there. This is important to remember. And this is something that Jesus models for us because Jesus, in understanding that he is both actively being worked against by his enemies, but even more so that God has entrusted him and holding him, he has given him all power in the present and he has secured for him his future. Jesus has the security in the place that he's been put in to then put a towel around his waist and serve even his enemies in that space. It, it caused me, as I reflected on this, to think about the most important question, I think, to helping us understand uh, service in the kingdom. And that is, what position are you in as someone who is in Christ? What position are you in as someone who is in Christ so the greatest platform that you have is the one that's given to you by Jesus himself. You are his child, and as such, one with the inheritance of the kingdom. See, this is the beauty of Jesus who calls us to follow his example in service as he says, okay, so like, I'm Jesus. All of creation is my inheritance, and I'm redeeming it all. And I'm going to show you that God has put me in the position I'm in, not for my sake, but for the good of creation. And he does this by taking us and by bringing us with him into a safe, secure identity. By giving us not just a platform where in my family or my job or my social status that I can, you know, stand and, you know, because Drew, because I'm the pastor of River Tree Canal Fulton, then I can have confidence because I'm, you know, on the chamber board, because I'm Landon's dad or because I'm Catherine's husband. Then I have security and safety enough to serve. Instead, he says, you know what? Let's do this. Let's just take you from where you are and give you the most secure place that you could ever have, ever, so that there's nothing that you would ever need and that would liberate you to serve 
without the risk of being at loss. Paul says it to the church in Ephesians like this. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, God in his mercy hides us in Christ and and raises us with Christ. It's what we celebrate when we celebrate baptism, that we've been buried with him and we've been raised to walk in new life. And that in this mysterious way, just like Christ was buried and raised and is now seated at the right hand of the Father, you, if you are in Christ, picture yourself like hiding in this Bible, you have been buried and you've been raised in new life and you are seated at the right hand of the Father. You have been given a platform that you share with Jesus himself. You've been put in a position that you stand with Christ in the most secure place. That there's not an enemy who could stand against you and prosper because all of the enemies of Christ fall. You're in a place where even if you are in the lowest place of service, in your family, in your job, in your social status, that that is not a threat to you because what's more true about you is that your life has been hidden in Christ. And because of that, you have the incomparable riches of Jesus, that they're yours forever. You have the inheritance of Christ. And again, sometimes in the church, we can think about the what. We can focus on what we have, that we have been saved, that we've been given abundant life and eternal life, not just eternal life when I die, but eternal life that has already begun, that I have this amazing life in Christ and it's so wonderful that I'm forgiven and I'm cleansed and the power of sin has been broken over me and I'm given his spirit. But look, don't miss the why. That God seats you in the heavens with Christ because there's good designed for your life in the place that you've been placed, whether it's a low place or a high place, that God has seated you exactly where you are in this moment for the good of the people around you. And that you have been made secure in Christ because out of that security, you can let go of all of the things that might keep you from serving the people around you. And you can wrap a towel around your waist like Jesus and look for the needs around you and be a part of serving others there, that you are not at risk because you are not in a kingdom where you lack anything because everything that you need for life and godliness you have because you have been given Christ. You inherit opportunities to bless the world by doing good wherever you find yourself standing. Your inheritance in Christ, it's for you, but it's not just for you, that we are blessed to be a blessing. We keep saying that. And the reality is that you have inherited not just Christ, but the platforms that you have. And your platforms, high or low, desirable or unwanted, have the good of others built into them. 
That God has designed you to be where you are, in your school, at your work, in your family, wherever you hang out, on that sports team, or wherever you run on the weekends, or whatever. Wherever you find yourself, that God has put you there for the good of the people around you. Whether you are in a high place or a low place, whether Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, or he's nailed to the cross, he is there because he is using his platform for the good of the world. And he says, my people do the same. I'm setting an example for you. He does that, according to Ephesians, in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ. So while the cultural expectation is that people in high positions should be served and the people in low positions should serve them, The kingdom expectation is this. Christ will seat you with him in the highest place so that you can serve with all that you have. Because the true status of your platform, whether you see yourself in the lowest place here on earth, is that in the heavens you are seated with Christ at the right hand of the Father. And the incomparable riches of his grace are yours. And that as you serve, his kindness to you becomes a light on display in the world. Because at the end of the day, you have Christ. Like, that is the good news. You have Christ. Because you have him, because he has you, You are in a place where you can serve wholeheartedly, whether you are in the highest position or the lowest, or anywhere in between, whether you're the favorite in your family or the least favorite, whether you're high on the org chart or at the very bottom, whether you are in the exact spot you want to be or a place you would never choose, regardless of what the circumstances look like, you've been put there with the incomparable riches of his grace because you are in Christ, and it is done so that you may join Jesus in blessing the world. He tells his disciples, you call me teacher and Lord, and that's rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. Tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I've been sitting on that line all week. There's a beautiful part of service where um, you are blessed to serve, but it's only on the tail end of serving that that blessing comes. And you know, those of you, like, I guarantee you, if you think of some of the moments where you've gotten to serve others, you've been like, it wasn't even, it's not that I did anything. I received so much good from from serving. You've been there where you have sacrificed, where you have humbled yourself, where you have been a part of serving and meeting the needs of others. And in the midst of that, you find blessing that's unmeasurable. Well, the reason is when you give away the incomparable riches of God's grace, you find you don't run out. It's a never-ending resource of God's grace that you're handing out. And when we serve and we hand out good, it's not like God's good runs out. He just continues to overflow that we're blessed and we serve. And then as we serve, we continue to be blessed because we cannot outgive God. We cannot outserve God. We cannot 
All we can do is extend the grace of God through our service to the world around us. And when we take the place that we're standing and we say, God's put me here for a reason, and whether I like it where I am or I don't, I'm going to ask God, how can I leverage my place for the good of the people around me? Once you're there, you find that the goodness of God's grace, that the deep wells of his riches, that you can't outgive him, you can't outserve him, that out of the abundance of what Christ has done, you can just be abundantly given to the people around you. And that you'll be blessed. Your blessing and the blessing of those around you are tied together. Sometimes we don't like that. I just want to be blessed, right? Just God pour on another blessing. But he said, no. Like first, you have been blessed because I am actively blessing you. Jesus didn't just serve you once in the cross and the resurrection. He's actively serving you. I mean, when you think of Undercover Boss, like the Undercover Boss, at the end of that show, the boss always discovers that their employees are in need, that there's real stories and real pain in their company, and that they have the unique position to change that. What's beautiful about Jesus is that Jesus' entire mission was done with the understanding that Jesus alone was in the unique position to bring blessing into the world. But that would require him not clinging to his own status, but him emptying himself. As Charles Wesley would say, he emptied himself of all but love and gave himself for us. And that he says, this is the example. This is how your world will know my goodness is when you Allow me to bless you to the point where you can let go of whatever you feel like you need to maintain your status and to say wherever you stand, in the highest place or the lowest, if it's where you want to be or it's where you never wanted to be, that you're still in a place where instead of being served, you have the incomparable riches of Christ where you can serve the people around you. What if your platform, what if the place that you find yourself is actually the key to real change in your world? I mean, think about it. What if God's put you where you are, whether you like it or not, because that place could look more like heaven through the blessing of his grace moving through your life? Who is it who's right around you that needs the blessing of God? I guarantee you, you stand among people that I don't stand among every week. God's put you there. He's put you in your family. He's put you in your job. He's put you at your school. He's put you in the place that you are because through you and your willingness to serve, he wants to bring good to those around you. Who is right around you who needs the blessing of God and how have you been positioned to serve them? This week, I want to challenge you to take a few moments and just think, where am I standing right now? And, and you can be honest. If you don't like the place that you are, you don't have to. But it doesn't mean that God, his hands are tied because you're not in the position that you want to be in. Matter of fact, we probably have our own status change all the time through life. But what doesn't change is that God is for the place 
and for the people where he's put you. And God's put you there for their good, not just yours.